Can you hear me? Hear me? Okay, good. You know, it's never about trivia. You know, we talk about trivia questions, and they're not, those aren't trivial questions. Those are significant questions, and uh, Paul raises some questions. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord, and I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, let me speak with uh, clarity and let it be received by uh, men who are eager to know you and to know how to act. As in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're in uh, Ephesians 4. This is the power of one. I want to talk about one. It's easy to talk about one, is it not? We'll talk about football in a minute. Um, but let me read uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 10. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. As its expression, he ascended. What does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. So what did you get out of that? A lot of words. You know, I, I was taught in a seminary that the Bible is God revealed to man through the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in those who believe in his Son. And I was told that this revelation comes about as you look at Scripture, as you study Scripture, in two forms, historical context and in words. Historical context and words. So what's the historical context here of this book of Ephesians? You know Ephesus? What do you know about Ephesus? Big city, commercial city, multi-god city? Yes. Um, Paul was writing to the church in Ephesians. So who's the church in Ephesus? They were Gentiles. There were, remember, there were two types of people in the world then. There were Jews and non-Jews. That's the way it went down. Um, the Gentiles were new to Christ. They were a part of a city that had as its focal point many gods. Not one. Not one, but many. But many. And Paul wrote, some think he wrote, this letter, not so much as a letter, but as a declaration. 
here's what faith is. Here's what the church looks like. Here's the way I want you to behave in the church. Some think that it's similar to the book of Colossians. You're familiar with the book of Colossians. How many books did Paul write? Thirteen. Pretty prolific guy. Um, But some think that Colossians is the same. You might want to take a look at Colossians um, and ask yourself the same kind of questions. Well, is he... What is Paul trying to get across here in a historical context in a way that I can grasp and understand today? Um, so it's a little bit of historical context, but, you know, what's Paul trying to do? He's trying to get across to new believers in Christ who are part of something now called the church, how they are to behave. And if you're going to behave in a certain way, you have to have a view of who you are and your, what dictates or directs your behavior, do you not? So he's trying to get across truth. He's trying to get across truth. And he gets across truth in the second part of how you grasp what God is, how God has revealed himself in Scripture through words. Now, what words pop out and have popped out to us as we continue to walk through Ephesians. Well, unity. We're to be unified. And Paul says, hey, listen, here's the way I want you to demonstrate unity. With all humility and gentleness. With patience. I was noticing how patient we were when Dave was waiting for the questions to come up. You see, that's a a remarkable example of patience. Um, But patience is not a long suit for most of us in this room, not one. Showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Tall order. You're not going to be able to do that unless you have a pretty good idea of what you believe in. And then we go through a whole series of ones. One in body, one in spirit, one in your hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. I got it. It's one. If you're a Gentile listening to Paul trying to convey truth, and he's already established himself as what? A prisoner of the Lord. Would you describe yourself to others as a prisoner of the Lord? Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. Paul does. But words. And word number one comes across, but we're big into number one, are we not? I, I like being number one. I don't like being number two. I don't need to deal with number three. As a matter of fact, who's sleeping the soundest, the soundest of all college teams right now? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's not Florida. Florida had opportunities to be number one, but the poor little tyke there following his dad wearing Florida colors 
Florida jersey, number one on his back, carrying the number one. Florida's not number one. Alabama's number one. Going to be tough to beat Alabama. But we're comfortable being number one. We're, there's a certain peace that comes with the fact that we've achieved to the point where we're number one and we're not number two or number three or we're not in the top four. We like that. It's good. I mean, do you have as a goal for your kids to be number two in their school? To be on the second team? No. First team. We like to be number one. Was Paul talking about when he lists number one about one in God? Is he talking about God being number one in the context that we think about Alabama being number one? I don't know. But as followers of God, we're told we're number one, right? I mean, you don't come to Burke Community Church because it's the second best church in the area. <laughs> or the third. You know, you come because it's one. We're comfortable with being number one. But there's more to being number one than just declaring you are. You need to know something about why you're number one. And Paul talks about being followers of Christ and being in Christ. And listen, the Christ that I introduced you to and you accepted, he's the same who is, who was, and is to come. And you find biblical support for God being number one in the Bible. Where do you find it? Well, the very first verse of the Bible. Remember now, Paul was talking to the Gentiles. All this was new to the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't have a New American Standard Bible that they could open up to. They didn't have John 14, 6, why in the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father. But they didn't have that. They did have the Torah. Paul introduced truth to them through the Torah one of the first verses is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Right, that's consistent, they would say, if you were listening to Paul convey truth, with God is one, one spirit, one what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. That's reinforcing to my view of being number one. But then God says later on in the very same chapter of the very first book of the Bible, and God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God who created him, male and female created him. What's this bit about us? What do you, I mean, I've got the God thing straight, I think. I'm moving in that direction. I heard it, I read it, but what's us? Am I going back to, I mean, there's a certain degree of comfort, is there not, in being Having many gods in your life, you can cover all the bases. You make one your God, it's a choice. And if he's the only God, then you're really kind of hanging out there, aren't you? A little bit. Then you go on in Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Ah, we're back. 
Thank goodness. I don't know what that us part was. I don't know what the hour was, but we're back to the fact that God is one. But sometimes words are difficult to grasp, and Hebrew is not an easy language to grasp. I certainly didn't grasp it easily. Um, but in Deuteronomy 4, the word one is echad. And the numeric word for one is yahid. And you say, well, wait a second, aren't we talking about numbers here? Isn't God number one? Why did they use the word echad? Well, echad refers to a unified one. Well, what do you mean unified? I thought we're, it was one God. So maybe this passage refers and this word refers to one as a composite. So wait a second. The Gentiles are, are sitting in a, in a congregation absorbing truth. They're grasping the fact that God is one. And now we're into the fact that God is more than one. And the words I'm using are one is a composite and not Wait a second, this is, this is difficult, this is different. Um, so maybe this passage speaks more to the us in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, foreshadowing perhaps the Trinity and the numeric one. So God knew what he was doing when he used not the numeric one, but the composite one in his plea that we should be Worshiping one God? Anybody remember Three Dog Night? Yeah. I, Mama told me not to come. Remember that song? That's not the one I want to talk about today. <laughs> but they also had a song that said, One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. And two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. It can be lonely on top, can it not? I mean, if you're to explain your faith as a, as a forbearing member of the church, can you do it? Can you do it? If you can't and you are hit with the question, so you believe in one God? Talk to me about him. What is it? Well, it's, he's uh, Genesis 1-1. I like that verse. Let's go. But don't go further because it's, I'm not sure. Say, it can be pretty lonely on top. It can be pretty lonely if it's number two. Here's what John 1-1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's the Word? Christ. But that's two. Is that who God is? Is he two? Is he Father and Son, and that's it? Well, no. We know better because we have, now not the Old Testament, but we have the New Testament, and we have opportunities to see how they they work together but two can be a lonely number as well I mean can we 
emphasize Christ too much at the expense of not emphasizing God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And that all leads to, hey, listen, maybe it's not all about one. We're about three. Now, the guys sitting there listening to Paul talking about truth and how to behave in the church are getting nervous. Say, I'm out of here. Or, you're going to have to explain a little bit further, Paul. And Paul says, yeah, let's talk about the Trinity. Let's talk about God in three persons. We know the song, Blessed Trinity. How well do you know God is three? Can you talk about three who's and a what? How do you explain the Trinity to others? How do you explain the fact that you worship one God who is, in fact, three persons? There's scripture to support Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are other passages of scripture. There's three. How do you explain the Trinity? Water, ice, and steam, does that go over well? A little bit. Is it better than nothing? Yes. Does it explain who God is? No. No, it doesn't. And how about when you get to the Son? I mean, there are many questions I wrestle with in Scripture. One is the fact that God, through Christ, Christ was here on earth, and he was fully God and fully man at the same time. Yeah, but I'm conditioned by time. I'm conditioned by space. That doesn't fit. That doesn't fit, but yet he is. Yet he is. So I empathize a little bit with Paul trying to teach the church to new believers and trying to teach truth to new believers in a way that they can be unified they can be together. And I challenge you. I say, so are you comfortable enough in not just being number one, but in your faith, who you are as a follower of Christ? Can you talk to the Trinity? Can you put it into your words? Can you talk to it in a way that reveals who God is and not just what you think? Um, Paul taught truth to the church at Ephesus. He taught unity and oneness in God. God the Father, who is evident in three persons, the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Now, God... I believe, created us uniquely. Each one, believe it or not, each one of you guys out there is different than the other. And yet we follow one God. We believe in one God in three persons. So I, as a postscript, I say, can you relate this fact to others? Can you do that? Here's some discussion questions, and there's, I always like to give more than a couple just to give you a potpourri of things to you're not narrowed in on, but
What's the basis of your faith in God? God alone? Christ is his son? God in three persons? It's the right answer is God in three persons. Can I explain my faith to others? Was it important for me to do that? Yes, it is. For example, Jews don't believe in the Trinity. Neither neither do Muslims. And other faiths around the world aren't even close. You have a challenge. I mean, we do run into, you don't just fellowship with believers per community church. You're out in the world all the time. How do you relate to God and how do you relate to Christ? Here's an easier one. Maybe it's easy, maybe it's not. How much do I like the idea of being number one? Is being number one my goal? In my work, in my family, with sports teams I follow? Go Cubs, you know, I'm from Chicago. 108 years. I went to my first Cub game when I was 10 in 1956. I can remember walking into Wrigley Field and being overwhelmed by the fact that I was in Wrigley Field, but not having the slightest thought that we were going to win. I was 10. (laughs) Cubs winning, big deal for me. Um, But in my faith, do I convey the fact that I'm number one? How important is unity in the body of Christ? What's the basis of unity within the church, within BCC? I'll leave this up here, giving you some things to think about. But it's good to think about and wrestle with our faith. It's okay not to have all the answers. It's good to know that God has revealed himself in Scripture to you who believe in his Son. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace. Your mercy, we thank you, Lord, that, you're lo- that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you the opportunity to represent you as number one in our faith and in our life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.